Spotlight community, welcome to our post-Philo conference podcast. What a time we had together. I mean, if you were there, you know what a special time it was, you know, to be together in community, to learn cool new skills from some amazing faculty, and to be able to worship and receive four inspirational talks designed specifically for us as technical artists in the local church. So much of what happened at the Philo conference, that's what we're all about here, which is to help you become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. And when I look back on the time we had at the Philo Conference, I don't know that I have a big standout moment that was my favorite, but a bunch of small moments that I really loved, and they all involved people. I mean, hanging with the Philo Conference faculty for bowling on Monday night and just hearing their hearts for wanting to serve the Philo community, that was pretty cool. And talking to old friends and new friends and hearing about how they were doing and how Philo was helping them was pretty amazing. You know, at one point I was on the live stream talking about how Philo started and I love telling that story. And this time telling it, I just kept thinking, my wife, she was crazy for letting me quit my job with no plan and eventually starting Philo. I mean, I love that woman. But honestly, my favorite part, my favorite moment from the conference was seeing my partner in crime, Chelsea, step into a new role this year and absolutely crush it. In years past, she's been primarily in the main room, producing the main sessions while still in charge of kind of a lot of what's going on everywhere, but unable to experience the rest of what happens at the Philo Conference outside of the main room. And this year, she worked really hard to free herself up and to lead and encourage our whole team over the course of the three days, including setup. And so, Chelsea, I know you're listening to this because you're producing this podcast. I just want to say, way to go. I'm so excited to see what the future holds. And I just want to thank you for saying yes to joining me on this journey of encouraging and equipping the Philo community. Now, for those of you who had a great time at the Philo Conference or wish you'd come, tickets for 2024 are now available, and these are the cheapest you'll ever get between now and the end of May. So go to philo.org, get your tickets now, and join us at Philo 2024. Now, to the podcast. Our guest is one of my longtime friends, co-workers, and Philo Core team members, Joanne Botton. She is currently the Arts and Worship Director at Willow Creek at their South Barrington campus, as well as the Service Broadcast Director for Willow Creek Central Arts and Worship. I think this is the longest job description or title I've ever heard, but it sounds like she's doing a lot, which she is. And she has an amazing story of how she got there, and we had a really great conversation, so let's just jump right in. I'm here with my very good friend, Joanne Botton. Hey, Todd. Hey. So happy to be here. Not only core team member, but OG Philo person (laughs) from the very before the beginnings. And so we talk in the Philo lore or whatever you call it. You know, the, that first meeting in some room that doesn't exist anymore at Willow Creek. You were even before that meeting. For real. Yeah. On a patio at some sandwich shop in the Arboretum <laughs> at South Barrington. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Long Will you do this ago. with me? I don't think I could do it without you. So, yeah, look at yeah, and here me we are. neither. I certainly couldn't do it without <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, and oh, you're going on nine years later. That seems That's hard crazy. to imagine. Yeah. Crazy. So nine years, we've known each other at least nine years, but we've known each other much longer than that. So do you remember the first time we met? So I think you were here interviewing, you were here meaning in the Chicagoland area, interviewing for a technical director position at Willow Creek. And in preparation for this conversation, I was trying to remember what year it was, and I'm guessing it was 2003. Correct, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All in the context of when we built the auditorium, that's how, like, it's (laughs) usually before, (laughs) then, and after. Right. But yes, you and another friend back from Kensington, yep. where you were when from, I was at Kensington. <laughs> we're interviewing with Willow Creek. And I remember being part of that process. And mm. I'm sure we 
went out and hung out and wow. got to know each other. But So locally, for those of you who aren't from this area, there's a place called Emmett's that used to be kind of the hangout after party uh, or, you know, just like we, we just did something, let's go, you know, hang out at Emmett's. Right. And I think there was an Emmett's experience. Actually, uh, 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 so I'm having this flashback. I think me and the person who was with me, uh, <laughs> you know who you are, uh, <laughs> We you took us to the Emmets yeah, that night. I remember. And we even stopped for gas. I like so random that oh, I that remember is that. Yeah, coming back or going. I I remember I dropping you guys off at the hotel afterwards. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's when we met. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was thinking something in that zone, but I like that specific memory. I was not prepared to uh, look at. <laughs> that's twenty years ago. Yes, that was. Uh, that oh is that is pretty crazy. That's that a must lot have of been like in the early summer or something like that. Probably because I think later in that same year I came and taught a breakout at arts conference. The arts conference. Yeah. I guess that would have been June. Right. So it was after that that we had that. So we're not quite at twenty. We're going to need to plan a party. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Emmett's. Indeed. And we'll stop for gas at that little place. Yeah. Okay. There that's we go. So funny. <laughs> It's funny because every time I drive by that gas station, I think about that. That's Isn't so that funny. so random? I've never been there any other time. Uh, I so. probably haven't either. Yeah, right? It's kind of the wrong direction yeah, for me. Yeah, live but. far, far away from that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've done a lot of ministry life yeah. and regular life together. And yeah. I was just telling somebody, actually, Bissy, my wife, about uh, walking, pacing the airports. Always. Uh, yeah, so... We would do the first year of Philo, we were doing site checks at all these locations. And so you and I went to, I just remember it, Denver mostly. We had a long layover or got there early or something. And so we're like, well, let's walk to this end and we'll touch the wall and then we'll walk back and well, let's keep going. And I think we might've done that in Atlanta too. Yeah. I don't know. We were all over the place, but every time I'm in an airport now and I'm, I have time to kill before it's boarding time, I'll go for a walk and I always aim for the furthest away place I can get to yeah. and a wall. Yeah. And I think of you every time. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I think of you at a gas station. Look and, at, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> we are pretty yeah. lame. So maybe let's talk about what you're doing now and okay. how much of your story you want to tell leading, like how did you get here? Yeah. it's it, That's a long story. So do you have a <laughs> yeah. lot of time? Yeah, sure. So right now my current role, aside from being on the core team at Philo, is that mm-hmm. I am the Arts and Worship Director at Willow Creek South Barrington Campus, which is the broadcast campus, the home of Philo. Yeah. That's my role, which is quite a bit different from where I started. (laughs) I showed up on the scene at Willow in the mid-80s and was not a a Christian, like just, you know, the typical story of somebody knows you and invites you to church. Somebody invited me to church and I figured out that, yeah, that was the place to be. And this person said, well, if you're going to make anything of this experience, you better be in in a small group or a discipleship group. And so I joined this small group, and the woman who was leading the group was the cook for the production team okay. at Willow Creek. So a little bit random, but it was <laughs> before we had any kind of food service ministry. And so the production guys would show up, and at that time we had two people on staff in production Talk about OG, Joel Jager and Marty O'Connor. And they would, with a group of volunteers, pin the stage and then take a break to have breakfast at like 6 a.m. So God knows what time they showed up in the morning. (laughs) And in those days, we had a drama sketch every week. So the drama team would take the stage for blocking while the production team got a break to eat breakfast before the technical rehearsal would start. Yeah. So I was one of the cooks and, uh, you know, Extrata and 
whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, French toast casserole. And, and that has nothing to do with production except that this girl who was my small group leader and the other cook also sat in what we call the bullpen. We still call it that, where the pastors sit. And in those mm-hmm. days, it was, you know, predated my wireless mics. And our pastor used a corded lavalier. And yep. so in order to help anybody who was going on stage from the bullpen not trip over their lav cord, uh, we we had volunteers who sat down there and helped manage their cord. And so I kind of was just following her around because I didn't know what else to do. Sure, yeah. I started sitting in the bullpen. And not long after that, maybe within the first year, she left to go to school somewhere out of state. And I just kind of adopted her job. Okay. So I sat in the bullpen for about six years. So I got to know like, you know, all the pastors at Willow and and really sort of developed my sort of Christian life doing that. And then at some point I was invited to be a stage manager. And at the time I didn't think it was a big deal, but I was the first female stage manager Whoa, at Willow Creek. Okay. And so looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, that, that actually was kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time it just felt like, okay, I could help lead step, this yeah. team of people. I'm good with details. Vocationally speaking, I'm a CPA. So mm-hmm. kind of like when things balance out, so yeah. maybe that makes <laughs> me good with details and checklists and things like that. And so I was a, was a stage manager as a volunteer a couple days a week, you mm-hmm. know, our midweek service and one of our weekend services for like eight years. And then I was invited to join the staff as a, as a paid stage manager. Okay. And then, and that was in two, early 2001, January okay. of 2001. And kind of my career at Willow has just kind of snowballed since then. You know, I learned how to call cues. So then I became the TD or, you know, what we might now call a show caller and started leading part of the staff team, became what we called it in one era of time, a production manager when you were there, right? I was the the TD for the the midweek service. We called it New Community at the time. Todd mm-hmm. was the TD for the weekend service. Yeah. So we kind of, we always used to joke around that we loved working together, but we never got to work together because right. we were never Opposite on the same services, events. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah if, and when we were doing conferences in those years, you would work one and I would work the other. Right. Like we'd, and I'd fill in for you, you fill in for me, but right. yeah, never really worked together. So I used to tell people that I was the one who was really good at leading people and Todd was the one who was really good at getting all the technical stuff done because <laughs> remember, I'm an accountant. I'm not a technician. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I just have stuck with it all that time. And yeah, I've just, everything just sort of kept going. Sure. So I start leading a different part of the team, being responsible for a different part of the work. And coming back from COVID, we had kind of a big leadership and structure change at Willow. And so several people left our team and I found myself leading the whole production staff, which was sort of interesting as not being a production person, <laughs> but the key there is just being a leader. So, yeah, yeah. and then we had another staff transition last year. And so here I am. Yeah. I took over the worship <laughs> yeah. team too. Yeah, uh, why not? So <laughs> yeah, who knew? It's a little weird, but it's been really fun. And and yeah, lots of, lots of growth and learning. Yeah. One of the things just in your story, you know, just the fact that you identify as a CPA and not a tech person, like there's yeah. part of it that I think so much of the time, and you even said it, like it's more about leading, it's more about people than it is about gear. I mean, there is a certainly a gear component that has to be correct and, you know, whatever, but so much of, well, everything behind the gear is people. And right. so, because I consider myself not a very technical person in the scheme of, like you line up all the tech people in the world, I'm not at the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the technical side. 
uh, but maybe more in the middle than you know maybe you're further the other way. But I think for sure. just the the reality that the business we're in is really a people business. For sure. I remember different eras at Willow where people on our team would be challenged to, you know, replace yourself with a volunteer right, or, right. you know, have a spaghetti dinner or lead a small group or whatever. Yeah. And and a lot of the people that I worked with who were highly technical and really talented were yeah. like, oh, heck no, that's not my right. thing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even though the pendulum has swung this way or that over the years to we're leading a bunch of volunteers or we're, we're leading a bunch of contractors, we're definitely – at Willow for sure, and what I understand at lots of other churches too, in a situation where we're definitely leaning more heavily back into the volunteer workforce. Yeah, yeah, right. And I really do think it's all about people skills. Yeah. And a lot of people who have their heads buried in a console, they might be experts, like super great at what they do. Right. But you have to be able to look up and see, you know, right, right. the other people. Well, and I think too, you're, especially on the technical side, most of what we're doing requires somebody on the other end of that thing, you right. know, on the other side of the camera lens or the microphone cable or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so even for those positions, like there is a component of relational awareness or, yeah, totally. you know, just it's, it's about people and building trust with each other and totally. caring about each other and not just, you know, did my ones and zeros line up appropriately? Right. I think it was so interesting now when I found myself in this position of leading both the sort of the oh, onstage yeah. artists mm -hmm. and the technical artists, the whole concept of shrinking that distance from the booths of the stage has su yeah. has become so real to me, even mm -hmm. more than it it was, you know, in years past. Right. Because I'm I'm sitting in a meeting with, you know, someone who's thinks in a more black and white sort of linear way yeah. and someone who thinks in a more circular, colorful way. <laughs> is that a good, well said, well safe said, way to yeah. put that? That's my superpower, actually, is the, <laughs> is the, the, yeah, the way to communicate those sorts yeah, yeah, of things. Yeah. See, I just did it. Yeah. Anyway, it has been a really interesting exercise in kind of digging back into all the history I have because mm. I really have been part of just about every single era of Willow Creek over, you know, I mean, getting close to 40 years. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting to like sort of lean into those lessons and figure out how do we, we're on, we're on either end of the spectrum here. How right. do we come together to create something that is going to honor God and serve our congregation and yeah. and get to use our gifts and make sure. it fun? And I don't want to drive on campus on Sunday morning and, and like hate that I'm coming there. Right, right. It's interesting too, though, just even as you're talking of like linear thinking versus circular thinking, <laughs> I think it's so important that we figure out how to come together, but it's also not about like you think more like me and I think more like you oh, no. because that's kind of how we're wired up. But how do we still meet in the middle with these two very different ways of yeah. like seeing the same challenge? Totally. I don't want the person who's responsible for directing video or, or lighting the stage or whatever to be the person who's responsible to create the worship set. Yeah. We need to do it together. Yeah. And so if we're going to be able to combine those gifts, then the outcome is really amazing. Yeah. If it's just leaning one way or the other into those gifts and the other person has to kind of sacrifice their gifts to get to what the person on the opposite end of the spectrum right. is looking for, then I don't think we're delivering the best service we can yeah, deliver. Yeah. I'd be curious from your position now, like where you sit versus like, I don't know how, pick however many years ago you want. Let's maybe go back a ways, uh, 10 years or something like that. Like, is there anything that maybe you would have done differently 10 years ago, knowing what you know now in this role? 
Sure, that's a great question. I think I've had a decent ability over the years to get to sort of the big picture perspective, but that's definitely grown over the years. So I've been fortunate enough to be invited around the table in a bunch of different settings. Mm -hmm. And I can point back, sure, to times when I would be like, well, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying, not because it's overly technical or not. Right. I don't understand your strategy. Sure. I think it should be this way. I just think part of growing and maturing is is being able to sort of zoom out enough to to get it that it's a combination of ideas and decisions that get us to the place we're getting. And at some point, someone has to make the decision whether I like it or not. It's right. easier in this season sort of to, to understand that and accept it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about just the trust that is required, you know, in that relationship and the distance, the physical distance we have and the different ways of thinking that creates some distance and figuring out like how to how to build trust when we are so different and but that it's the ball game. I mean, like, 100%. Yeah, whether you think I'm for you and you think I'm for you or, you know, whatever right. the, however that works, like that we're for each other, that that we all feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that's like, like I said, the ball game. And I think it's so hard to achieve, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the really great things about the season that we're in right now is that our team is all one team. So mm-hmm. it's, people who do production on the weekend service, all the way down to the people who do production for infants and toddlers in our kids' ministry, mm-hmm. to our support for our Spanish service and all all the iterations yeah. all the way between, and our worship team. Now, we're not at the stage as a church, organizationally speaking, where everybody who's involved in worship on our campus is part of the arts and worship team. Some uh-huh. people are specifically assigned to student ministries and the Spanish service and things like that. But even the creatives that are part of our weekend team, our weekend kind of programming team, Mm. we don't really call it that anymore, but it's hard to change the language. (laughs) Um, We're all one team. And so being all one team really matters. And we've had a variety of different seasons over the years at Willow where we've been one team, sort of, we've not been, we've been totally separate in the organizational structure. (laughs) We came back together, but then... We're, we're led differently or there's a division between, you know, who's on the weekend service versus the rest of everything going right, on. Right. And I feel like we're in a, hopefully I'm not being naive, but I think we're <laughs> in a good season where the team is really together. And I think mm-hmm. that's helping build trust mm-hmm. and build better culture for sure. Yeah. Even just from my roots as being more attached to the people that were not doing the weekend service. I mean, Let's face it, for 20 years on staff at a church, I had the best job ever because I didn't have regular weekend responsibilities. (laughs) I don't know how I did that all those years and somehow it was taken away from me. But um, (laughs) but I think I bring a perspective of, again, the big picture of what does this decision mean for the guy who's serving in the, you know, little kid's room? Yeah. And what does it mean for the person who's serving um, at the Christmas Eve service or whatever, you know, to to go to every end of the spectrum. And so I think that's something that's been good. And if I were to tell somebody, you know, later when it's time for me to sail off into the sunset, Mm -hmm. what you should consider, I think that'd be high on the list. Like get as broad a perspective as you can get because it's going to make, it's going to help you make better decisions. Right, right. The knee-jerk reaction for so many tech people is to, dig deeper into the thing that you're 
passionate about was like a console or a, right. you know, figuring out some effect or, you know, when it really is about the people side. I was talking to somebody yesterday that, you know, their challenge is volunteer, having enough volunteers because you, you have just enough or right. not enough. You either have not enough or just enough. You don't ever have like a, a surplus of people right. waiting around to serve. And so a lot of it, a lot of your job in that, in a setting where the volunteers are the main thing, you have to be about people development and pouring into others and preparing somebody to take over for you when you're gone. And I know in just the time that I was at Willow, when we were there together, and even since then, like the changes in philosophy and like expectations and all that stuff for volunteers or staff or contractors, it's um, interesting how it comes back to, you know, you're in a season now where it's about developing people. I think about so many churches looking for technical people to hire mm -hmm. and they don't have any, there's no homegrown people. Right. Because, uh, I mean, at Willow Creek, the it was like such a huge, when I was there, at least it was all about like, we can't have failure and so we need consistency. So it's a staff position. Right. And, which means you're not developing anyone. Right. I mean, we lived for years with this really beautiful pipeline. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this at the Philo Conference. We've talked about it. I've heard it in other podcasts you've done about this. Who it makes me emotional. <laughs> this guy, Arnez, on our staff. Yeah, yeah. Who's been there longer than I have. Who has put like a, a stake in the ground that he was not going to bail out of NextGen. Yeah. And this guy has served in NextGen for like 24 years on staff. Yeah. He's amazing. And when I think about the impact he's had on other people that have been on our staff mm -hmm. that grew up under his leadership yeah, as yeah. a nine-year-old serving in production, there's two guys on the Willow Creek production staff, one at our campus and one at another campus who literally were in elementary school when they started serving with him. Yeah. And now they're in vocational ministry. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the <laughs> it's... It's hard to imagine the impact that yeah. people that put their mind to that have in in what we do around the world. I can imagine that there are lots of other examples of that in yeah. other churches. Yeah. It is such a tangible example of a pipeline of building into people and actually of making people way more important than the program. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that, that our next-gen team doesn't do incredible work, yeah. but there has always been a sense that the volunteer's experience mm. is the most important thing. Yep. And that has set a great example for the students that they're that they're ministering to, that they're supporting, yeah, yeah. and the students that have come up through the ministry. And so that pipeline, if I think about that, even in the context of contractors, we've used contractors at <laughs> yeah. Willow yeah. who came up under Arnez's leadership yeah. in the ministry. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy. But when I think about even your comment about other churches and having trouble finding people to hire, mm -hmm. I kind of think that philosophy of building into people and making that a priority, that applies to the contractor world too. Because if the team that I lead at Willow is super obnoxious and not caring <laughs> about people or or whatever, you know, yeah, we're, yeah. we're too focused on the task. We don't really care about the person who's sitting behind the console or, you know, got the camera on their shoulder or whatever and they're a contractor, well, they're going to choose to go work somewhere else. They're not going right. to choose to come and serve with yeah. us. And so whether I'm paying somebody or essentially they're paying me with their the gift of their time, I feel like 
that has to be a priority. Now, I I created a bunch of job descriptions for people that are on my team not too long ago. And I put some, some consistent language in this one section that is success is defined as. And the language that I used, no matter what discipline it was, was, you know, in my mind, success is defined at getting to the end of a service and feeling great about the tech support we provided, uh-huh. but also to be just as happy serving with the team together at the end of the process as at the beginning of the yeah, process. Yeah. So like being good teammates, yeah. it's a it's a huge value for us. I remember in your era of leading our team <laughs> and us defining our production values, one of our values was production isn't everything. Like mm-hmm. it's not everything. And so, so many people I know who have served in production over the years have been so, like you said, so buried in their technical craft. Yeah that it becomes the most important thing, but it's really not the most yeah. important thing. But neither is, you know, the the song that the worship leader chooses. That's not the most important right, thing right. either. Yeah. And so it's been interesting over the years to get this perspective of we are all like little pieces of the puzzle and somehow God is working in spite of us or <laughs> because of us or in spite of us or yeah, through yeah. us or whatever, however you want to say at it. at the same time. Right. Yeah, right. And every piece is important and it all fits together. And so if I can keep that in the forefront, then that helps me remember that the people are just as important as the technical thing. You know, the kid that's serving in Willow Kids who maybe someday will make uh, his or her way to serving on the weekend service, the value that we put toward leading that volunteer is just as important as the value we put toward the contractor who's the most expensive contractor we could bring in right, to do right. the special thing or as the you know the volunteer who's a mom who really loves running graphics on the weekend mm-hmm. or you know the young adult who's a college student who's singing on stage leading worship yeah. i mean it it's everything is a piece of it yeah. and the people we can't lose sight of the people yeah just talking about arnez and the development of people that he's done over the years. Well, I'll say it in front of him because he could possibly listen to this. The thing I really love about Arnez is that he moves at a different pace than most people when I was working at Willow would operate. You know, he's just like would move at a more slower pace, but it's very relational. And that he's walking alongside of people instead of, running ahead of them, mm-hmm. that it becomes about, my son Carson would say, the hang, like the, yeah. the you know, come and be a part of this thing and we're going to do some stuff along the way, but we're going to be together. Like that. that's the kind of like the front door mm-hmm. for Arnez's ministry. And then, yeah, okay, you're going to learn how to direct cameras. And I filled in, this is going back a few years, but I was in a next gen venue at Willow serving with Micah and Matan. Yep. Uh, who came up with Arnez. And I just, and they were, I think Matan was still, maybe he was in middle school. I mean, like, they were still really young. Yeah. And Micah was in high school. And I just thought, why am I even here? Like right. I, right. They're, they're doing this, you know, on a grand MA and a, you know, CL5 or whatever. They're, they're making this service happen. Totally. And I was like, hey, you guys got a brother that can do video? Because then that would round that out, which it turns out. They do. Yeah, the yeah. younger, <laughs> third, the third brother is a video person. Yeah. Yeah, and just that doing life with people right. became how they, like you just talk about Micah and Matan just as two examples. A couple of the smartest people 
oh, uh, you could e- ever know. And I know Matan's like doing some sort of research thing. Like maybe he's in his uh, getting his master's degree now. Uh, you know, he, he's not doing Micah, production. Yeah, work. Micah's getting his master's Ma- degree. Micah. So yeah. they're, well, they're they're both very smart, doing totally. like crazy, amazing things. Totally. And part of it is that the environment that they grew up in uh, with Arnez. I mean, these are like high quality people. Totally. And wh- whether they ever do production again is maybe beside the point, but. It would be a total waste if it they never be. do. Yeah, I get so again. mad when Hopefully I hear, they- you don't like doing this anymore? Yeah. Are you crazy? They yeah. still do it now and then with <laughs> yeah, us and yeah. both of them are away at college and the third brother is about to go away to college. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know their mom and I just talked to her yeah. the other day, <laughs> but you bring up a great point. And what's really a cool example to tag on to even the Micah and Matan story is that you know, they served in Next Gen with Arnez for a number of years and he taught them a lot and they had a like a total natural aptitude yep. and all of that. But then they came and started serving in other areas at Willow and Arnez was really open-handed, like also. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's another piece of it. Like cultivate the pipeline, take these people under your wing, help yeah. develop them and then pass them along to the next opportunity. Yeah. And there's a couple other guys on our staff team who kind of adopted yeah. the two of them as they became young adults and, you know, went away to school and all of that. And so I think about, you know, Tom, who's one of our audio guys and Jordan, who's our broadcast TD, and they both have close friendships with, you know, one with Micah, one with Matan, Mm -hmm. but it is so cool to see that connection Mm. uh, literally over, you know, a decade. It's, It's really great. And so if I can leave a lasting, like that as the culture thing on our team, yeah, then I've been successful. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on some stuff and thinking about when should we be celebrating as a team? When is it a success? Yeah. And that moment right before the first service hits, we've done all this. And I'm thinking like Christmas or, you know, some big event, like the the need to celebrate what has happened so far, like the, the to celebrate the how important the work that has nothing to do with the service, you know, just like all this things that nobody knows about or unseen to prepare us for kind of this moment of we're doing something big together. Yeah, how important the process part of it is. I mean, it's not the only thing. Right. But when I was sort of working through this idea, I was thinking about all the big events I've been a part of. And I can't, (laughs) I've been a lot of of big events. (laughs) And I don't know that I in the totality of all those memories, I don't generally think too much about, you know, what we did, the service, the content, the, but how, how we did it, like how we got to it. Yeah. And, you know, the, a lot of really, you know, bad uh, memories, (laughs) some, you know, some really good memories, but, you know, most of the moments, like if I think about like Imagine Christmas, for example, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all the, times with the band underneath the stage or the the crazy, you know, trying to get something to work during rehearsal or, you know, just all those things. And I think how important it is to celebrate them before, I mean, I think it's just so easy for us to focus on how did it go? What do we do? Totally. How do we make it better? Uh, how did the first service feel? Also not bad, you know, things to be thinking about, but just how important the I think the culture of a team is defined by what's happening before the doors open. And are we celebrating those? Yeah, I agree. I think the, 
it's easy to let those moments be fleeting mm-hmm. if we're not intentional. So yeah. I think a lot of this has yeah. to do with just intentionality. And so maybe if I were highly technical and worried about the lighting cues or something, <laughs> yeah. it'd be easy to let those moments pass. But, mm-hmm. but you know, because I have nothing else to think about, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking more about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's like pay attention to the fact that this volunteer just did this thing or this person on the staff team just did right, this right. really, this thing that caused, uh, that required some sacrifice or, sure, or whatever right. it is, yeah, yeah. you know, was, was really uniquely theirs to contribute. Yeah. And let's not miss the opportunity to mark those. And that's a little bit aspirational. I mean, I'm probably not sure. amazing yeah, yeah. at it, but, but certainly it's a priority. Yeah. I do think that, that it speaks to how we can always be concentrating on better culture, better, yeah, I want I want us to be a fun place to serve, but that but that it's more than fun, that it's fulfilling yeah. and satisfying. Yeah, as I was thinking about kind of what does that moment really look like to celebrate? You know, I think probably everyone listening who's involved in church can relate to like, well, we huddle up before the service starts. And I have to say there's like very few things I'd rather do than go to a, a huddle that nobody's thought about exactly what, you know, what, why are we here? And so it's just a bunch of cliche things and we're supposed to pray and, and then we'll go do the service together. But to seize that moment, to be intentional and thoughtful. And when you think about uh, the, something we talked about earlier, you know, the distance between the circle thinkers and the linear thinkers, <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing and they don't know what I'm doing. And especially in your situation now, you have a unique view, at, you know, to both to be mm-hmm. able to say, Hey, I just want to say like, Rob, you know, great job, you know, doing whatever during rehearsal. And just so you guys know, this is what he's been working on right? Right. uh, or whatever. I think it's probably the same on either side that you feel like you don't really understand what the other people are doing or don't feel like anybody understands what, what it's about. But that's a great moment to point the team to. Yes. This person just did something amazing that you maybe would never even know. And so did this person too. And mm-hmm. let's celebrate that. I agree. I think even in the, even backing up the process a little bit, when I think about our staff team in it, at Willow, yeah. at, at the campus that I serve at, we used to have a much larger team. We still have a large team by production team standards. Right, right. And there's a lot of us sitting around a table when we're you know, doing a production meeting, getting ready for a weekend service or a holiday or whatever. And the thought that the worship leader might have some ideas about how to do lighting, but is really open-handed with it. Like Mm -hmm. we've worked at that so that we're speaking into each other's worlds, understanding that we don't understand. I mean, I don't understand any of it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I understand enough. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Just in case my boss is listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we understand enough about each other's worlds to offer an idea. Mm-hmm. And it has taken us some work to get here. But even over the last few months, I've noticed how we're not holding so tightly to the thing that's uniquely, like I'm not holding so tightly to the thing that's uniquely mine, right. that someone around the circle can't say, have you thought about trying it this way? And for that to be a catalyst for me to to decide on a, a path forward for whatever whatever it is, right. the fact that we've created that kind of relationship mm-hmm. so that when somebody on the production team says something about a musical choice or the way something ended up feeling or looking in the room or whatever, the way a, a worship leader engaged with an element or whatever it is, yeah. 
the fact that we've built enough relationship to be able to speak into that without people walking away going, you know, why, why was he saying that? Or why, right, right. why do I care about Stay her in opinion? Your lane. Yeah, exactly. Right. We, have, we have unwired all of that. Mm. And, and so where I think that sometimes because of linear thinkers versus more circular <laughs> thinkers or whatever, just, you know, worship leaders versus production people, right. we're all different. And I don't think it's anything anybody who was a predecessor to me leading on our team created. I don't think it was a culture they created, right. but I think it's quite a natural thing that can happen. And, you know, when when you're in a situation that's difficult, we're all in this post-COVID world, everything feels right, a little right. nebulous. Um, it's easy to like grab to the things well, that we not, know. It's just, yeah, it's human nature. I'm totally. going to gravitate to the thing I know. Totally. Yeah. And so the fact that we've been able to kind of unwind some of that and it feels like we're moving as a unit, as a team now. Mm-hmm. It just feels so great. And I think so much of it is around all the things we're talking about, the the importance of people, the intentionality of leading, the mm-hmm. like get to know the world of the other person, even just a little bit to right. understand their language. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's been good. That part feels great. Yeah. It's always good talking about things that are going well. <laughs> right. Okay. Now let's talk about the things that stink. Yeah. No, uh-uh. are, no, I'm not <laughs> yeah. going there. I'm not going there. Doing plenty of work in the background to work out all that. Uh, so maybe just kind of wrapping up, thinking about, you know, you've been at Willow for a very long time and we were joking before we hit record, just like somebody asked me recently, hey, were you there at Willow for the big transition? I'm like, you got to be more specific. Like right. there's so many big transitions <laughs> and you've been through Lots. Like pretty much all of them, pretty but one, them. one or two you yeah, the missed. Only, the yep. only thing I missed was, yeah, a big kind of shakeup in the first five years of the church <laughs> and the move from a temporary location to our main campus. Right. Yes. But other than that, boy, I've been through lots of them. It's one thing to like go through lots of life transitions and different seasons of life, mm-hmm. but to be at one place that has changed so many times mm-hmm. in like some minor ways and some massive ways, how have you adapted or adjusted yeah. or survived? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, you picked, you, you picked the word. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it has felt more like just barely surviving, quite mm-hmm. honestly. But but yeah, I it might be trite, really by the grace of Do God. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> Sorry, only by the grace of God. Yeah. Todd, I feel more sure now of my call at Willow than oh, I wow. ever have through a lot of painful and a lot of great seasons. You know, this is not for the faint of heart. Ministry in general, not for the faint of heart. My entire Christian life has been shaped by Willow Creek. Hmm. I did not know Jesus the way I do now when I showed up on the scene in the mid 80s. And I have been through lots of things in my own life that I have felt like Willow's been the one constant Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. much of that. So I would describe myself as someone who doesn't love change. And yet, (laughs) (laughs) it's funny how easily you you laugh at that. Um, I would describe myself as someone who doesn't love change, but I somehow have figured out how to adapt and live through tons of change. Mm -hmm. And like you said, some small things, which in the moment felt big until we got to the really big one and then everything else felt so small. (laughs) And it's all about perspective, I suppose. But I do feel... In this season where I am right now, I I have always felt called to Willow. And when I was first offered a job at Willow and to leave the volunteer team and join the staff, I said no. 
And I feel like that was also a God thing. Like there were some things that happened in in like a nine month period of time between when I was first offered a position mm. and when I finally said yes to it. And I really feel like God was preparing me. Mm-hmm. My husband used to say to me, you know, you love that place so much. You're going to go in there with rose colored glasses and you're never going to see the truth, what, mm-hmm. whatever the truth is. And the way that he categorized that before I took the job was absolutely true. And Mm -hmm. had I taken the job when it was first offered to me, I think I would have set myself up for really being hurt, flattened by so many things. And Mm -hmm. I can point to some specifics in that nine-month period of time, all those years ago now, that where God really prepared my heart for it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I went in with a much more realistic viewpoint even though I had no context for what what is it going to be like to be in vocational ministry. You know, I know so yeah. many people who work at the church whose parents were pastors or worship leaders or whatever, right. and they have all this history of being in church world for their whole life, and that was not my experience. But over time, now looking, you know, with the advantage of having the long view backwards, I can see the places where God really protected me. Obviously, I'm more of a feeler than a thinker. <laughs> no one would ever accuse me of not being empathetic and things like that. But um, I think that I have always felt called to Willow and what mm. I've done. I tried to quit a few different times over mm. the years, a couple times while you were there. Yeah. And, um, um, and would process through that and, and just kept feeling this connection and calling to be there. Mm-hmm. And several times I've prayed for God to release me from my calling Mm -hmm. and I haven't been released. And I think I get it now because now I feel like I'm in the tail end of my career. You know, Mm -hmm. who knows how many more years I'll be around. Probably not as many as I've been there thus far. And I feel more sure today Mm. uh, than I ever have that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm. Even when, you know, sort of imposter syndrome takes over and I go, what in the world was somebody thinking when they gave me the role that they gave (laughs) me? When I actually think about it, I'm in exactly the role I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be in and I know it. And I'm trying to take it really seriously. I'm trying to be very intentional about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, not make it about, not lean into the fact that I don't know anything about the technology, but really lean into the fact that I know everything about the people. Right, right. Yeah, I think wanting to be released or wanting to move on and, you know, looking somewhere else and seeing the grass is greener, you know, somewhere else. I think to me, at least in my own life, the wrestling match of wanting to hold something so loosely that it's easy to leave versus hanging out, you know, fighting to stay. And both things are good and right, you know, it's, but it's a timing thing. And I think it's so important to be, whether you stay, you know, 40 years or you there are four years or whatever that for anybody listening that you're just like in tune with what God is speaking to you directly, not right. not what you should do or what somebody else is telling you you should do. But like right now, what is God, what's God asking me to be about? Right. And I think, I mean, most people are not at places where the, the transitions are maybe as drastic <laughs> as the ones that some of the ones that we've been through, but yeah, when you're in them, they all feel drastic. And right. so to be totally open to what does God have for you in that season? Right. And I um, mean, let's face it, if I left Willow, 
no one's going to ask me to be on a production team somewhere else because I'm not technical and I'd have to go back to accounting. And who wants to do that? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't don't think I would ever get there, but uh, yeah, in the first place. Oh, man. This has been a fun conversation. It has been. uh, We should hang out more often. Yeah, we should. I miss you. (laughs) And I see you still somewhat frequently. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this has been great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yep. It's amazing to think about how many eras of the story of Willow Creek that Joanne has been a part of and how easy it could be to just be always looking back and comparing all the new ideas to the old ideas. And I just really love her ability to see the big picture and to not just fixate on processes that are old or old ways of doing things, uh, how it used to be. And yeah, she's really adapted to each new challenge put before. And I love that about her. For you and I, it can be so easy to hang on to the past or to focus on a granular level of things as they're changing. And things are always changing. So whether at Willow Creek or at your church, and the big question is, how will you respond? Will you respond by hanging on to what you know in the past or be willing and open to what's in store for the future? Also, if you've been listening to our podcast any length of time, you realize that we talk a lot about Arnez Bonsal. He has developed more people than anyone I know, and we finally figured out that we should maybe have him on the podcast. So that'll be coming up in the future. It was so great having Joanne on the podcast. She's such a great example of showing up again and again in so many tough situations. And for me personally, her example is super inspirational. And yeah, I'm so glad to have been a part of her story. All right. If you weren't able to come to the Philo Conference this year, we announced that we have some special Philo cohorts happening this summer. We'll be meeting three times over Zoom, doing a deep dive each time into a particular skill with some experts in audio, video, and lighting starting in June. And it will include some community time, which is what our cohorts are really all about, as well as a chance to ask some questions of someone who is near the top of their craft in the local church. And so you can go to philo.org coaching to sign up for these. You can also check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Philo Community and on Twitter at Philo Conference to stay connected to what we've got coming up here at Philo. So thanks for listening. Until next time.